We love to get them young. Amen. Amen. Why don't you just, well, I'm sorry, you should probably just stay standing as you grab your Bibles this morning. It's just, I'd like to bring attention to the Word by having people stand. I know in today's society, we, we take a stand for everything but the Word sometimes, but they're going to make me work early this morning. I can feel it already. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Joshua chapter 6. I'm going to work on a few things. I'm really preaching this morning from a very familiar passage of Scripture today, and uh, we're just in this vein because... Uh, we're launching something in this ministry, and we're doing some things that we've never done in a radical fashion. And uh, it's going to take some faith-filled believers to get on board to help it make it happen. Amen? So I want to go to Joshua chapter 6, a very familiar passage of Scripture. I'm going to be reading some, from several different verses. I'll skip around a little bit, but we'll just read uh, starting in verse number 1. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the sons of Israel. No one went out and no one came in. And the Lord said to Joshua... See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its valiant warriors. And you shall march around the city, all the men of war circling the city once, and you shall do so for six days. Also seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet and all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up, every man straight ahead. So Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let the seven priests carry the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. Then he said to the people, Go forward and march around the city, and let the armed men go on before the ark of the Lord. Look with me in verse number 16. Uh, you know what? Let me, let, me, let me back up. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let me, go, let me go back to verse number 9. Go back to verse number 9. And the armed men went up before the priests, and they blew the trumpets, and the priests, and, the, and they blew the trumpets, and the rear guard came up after the ark while they continued to blow the trumpets. Verse number 10. But Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor let your voice be heard, nor to let a word proceed out of your mouth until the day that I tell you to shout, then you shall shout. Verse number 16. And at the seventh time, when the, when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Verse number 20. And so the people shouted, and the priests blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpets, the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. And they took the city. I want to draw your attention back to verse number 7 real quick. And he said to the people, go forward. One translation says, proceed. It literally means to advance. And he said to the people, advance and march around the city and let the armed men go on before the ark of the Lord. We've been talking about advance the cause. This will be part two, but a totally different text. And I just subtitled it this morning, March On. March On. High five about three people around you. Tell them you might as well just march on. Just march on. You just got to keep marching, and you got to march towards every promise that God has ever given you. Come on, just tell somebody you got to keep on marching. 
Come on, I need some Holy Ghost, radical, spirit-filled, loud kind of people in the house today. March on. You know, this could be one of those SOS services. Y'all know what an SOS service is? Scoot over some. It could be one of those kind of services. Just scoot over a little bit. You got to give me some room because God's going to do something up in here today. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, this morning I thank you for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in the next few moments. Lord, I thank you for those that have gathered, those that are listening by the way of radio or Facebook Live. Lord, we thank you for what for them tuning in today and for what you're going to do in their homes. Lord, I just give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Holy Spirit, you're the preacher, the teacher, you're the communicator, you're the revelator, you're the revealer of truth today. Thank you for what you're going to do in each heart and each life. And we give you all the glory, all the honor, and the praise in advance. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody together said amen and amen and amen. God bless you this morning. Several days ago, I was reading some stuff by Alexander the Great, and I came across this story again, and I just want to read it to you just to kind of kick things off and uh, get to where we're going. History has it that around 300 B.C., the great leader of the ancient Greek kingdom, Alexander the Great, who had never been conquered, had just finished conquering Persia, and he began to march his great army eastward towards Asia Minor to the legendary treasures of India. His army had fought their way through what is now Afghanistan and Pakistan, moving through the mountain passage of Hindu Kush and into India, when suddenly one day his men looked up and saw before them a gigantic wall of snow-capped mountains that was literally blocking their path. They had reached what we know of today as the Himalaya Mountains, and the advanced leaders came back to Alexander full of concern and dismay, and they said to him, Sir, we have marched off the map. We should go back to where we know. Alexander was, was stood there in a, in, a, in a poised position for a few minutes, and he listened to their requests, and he listened to their arguments, and then he replied with this, and this will be on the screen for you. He said, Mediocre armies always stay within the known areas, but the great armies always march off their map. I hope I'm not talking to a mediocre army today. I believe I'm talking today of a great army that's ready to march off their map. In other words, there's got to be some people in the body of Christ in every generation that begins to rise that says, I don't want to live by the status quo. I don't want to stay confined to the boundaries that have been imposed over my life. I don't want to live by what's familiar. I want to march off my map today. I just believe there's some people in this house under the sound of my voice that you are ready to march off your map today. Will you just push on about two people around you and tell them we got to march today. We got to march today. We got to march off our map today. I believe that we are living in a day where there is this incredible demand for faith to rise. We're living in a day where I believe that the heavens are demanding from the people of God for great faith to begin to rise. It's a people who refuse to go back to what we have known. It's a people who refuse to go back to the security and the comfort of where we came from. But it's a generation of people that I believe today that God is touching and they were being raised up for such a time as this in the kingdom of God that just believe that the hand of God is upon them. And whatever God said they can do, they can do. 
Whatever God said they could be, they can be. Wherever God said they can go, they can go. Whatever God said they can build, they can build. And I just believe that God is touching a generation today that's literally going to rise up and walk away from the familiarity and the confines of limitations and the boundaries that the enemy is trying to put over them. I'm going to keep working you for a moment till I find somebody to preach to, but I'm going to find somebody to get in agreement in just a moment. God is looking for somebody. God is looking for somebody that will be raised up in this generation and says, I just believe God. At the end of the day, I believe God is who he says he is, and I believe God will do exactly what he said he would do. The Bible says in Luke 18, 8, Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the earth? God is looking for some people who are willing to exercise their faith and begin to march into enemy-held territory and let the devil know we are here to bring transformation to our cities. We are here to bring transformations to our neighborhoods. We are here to let the devil know you had your day, but we're about to get our day. And I believe that God is looking for a generation that will rise up in faith because I believe this. This is something that's been in my heart for years. I believe that the churches are the salvations of cities. And God's going to use churches to change cities. God's going to use churches to change nations. And I just believe, I believe, I've always believed this, that church, the church is the conscience of society. So when the church gets silent, when the church has no faith, then society runs wild. One of the reasons why our nation is in chaos today is because our churches have been way too quiet. But can I tell you, the enemy has underestimated the real church. Because the real church ain't staying quiet. The real church ain't backing off. The real churches define the powers of hell. The real churches say you can throw COVID out there if you want to. We're not intimidated by your diseases because we have been blood bought by the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I believe, I believe, I believe something happened back even in the days of COVID. And I'm not trying to pick on that. Just it's just everybody knows about it. But it's just like, you know, before that, you know, the, the church had all this shout and now. Then the churches went into this lockdown because how many know that the lockdowns were illegal? They were illegal. They were, le- they were illegal because we had a right to assemble. So it was illegal. I don't care what governors and states did. It was still illegal. In fact, the, the state of California, now the Supreme Court's in the state of California, has ordered that governor to pay back the church's lawyer's expenses, which comes out to $1.3 million because it was illegal to put that kind of mandate on the churches. And listen, I'm telling you what God's putting back in the church. God's going to put some clout back in the church's shout. I'm telling you, there's some churches that are going to rise. The churches are going to rise. And I believe that we're coming into enemy-held territory and we're going to say, that city is mine. God didn't put me here to be cute. God didn't put me here to just to be looked at. God put me here to bring transformation to the very place that I've been called. There's reasons for releasing faith in the earth. Um, I want to... Guys, I didn't give you this scripture, but I want to go to this verse. I I was right before service today. I was over there in my office. Go with me to John chapter 9. I want to show you a couple things real quick. In John chapter 9, I believe this about the people of God. I believe that we're about to experience and receive things we've never had. Amen. 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 We're going to experience and see things we've never had. And John got too many stickies. In John chapter 9, verse number 1, and he passed by, this is Jesus, and saw a blind man from birth. Somebody shout, from birth. And the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? And Jesus said it was neither 
that this man sinned nor his parents, but that it was for it's so that the works of God might be displayed in him. And we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had said this, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spit, and he applied it, the clay, to the man's eyes. Now, that's probably not a good recommendation for somebody who's believing they're going to raise somebody's eyeballs up. Then he said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sin. And he went away and he washed and he came back seen. And he came back seen. We're about to see things we never saw. The man had been born blind, meaning that he never had vision. But God said, I'm about to give him vision. Everybody's been talking about a new normal. Let me tell you what your new normal is. I'm not just believing God to restore what I had. I'm believing God to give me something that I never had. Come on, talk to me up in here. I'm not just believing God to restore back what I lost, but I'm believing God to give me things that I've never had. This man had been born blind, meaning he never had sight. He never had vision. And there are a lot of Christians in the church that don't have vision. There's a lot of churches in America that don't have sight. I'm not talking about natural sight. I'm talking about spiritual sight. But I'm telling you, God is about to visit his people. And God's about to let them experience things that they have never seen before. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. And neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. And notice that Jesus took his spit and he spit into the dirt, the clay, made clay. And he rubbed it on his man's eyes. In other words, Jesus didn't treat the symptoms. He went to the cause because man is made of dirt. He dealt with the root cause of the problem. And then he wiped the blindness out of the guy's eyes when he told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. I'm saying to you today, ladies and gentlemen, what is about to happen here in this region, I can't speak for everybody's region, but I can speak for this region. What God is about to do through this house in this region, it's literally, it's going to wipe the blindness out of people's eyes. And there's about to be a renewal of sight that's coming back to not only this community, but to the houses of God. I'll wait on you. There's a DNA transfer that's coming back. Because I believe faith is going to begin to rise again. I believe faith is going to rise again. I, I don't believe that this is going to be a summer slump. I believe this is going to be a supernatural summer. I believe the power of God is going to move in an exponential way. This is something you might want to write down. This will be on the screen for you. Faith is never threatened by the current environment. Faith is never threatened by the current environment. Ezekiel found himself in a graveyard prophesying to dead bones, but he wasn't threatened by the graveyard. He wasn't threatened by dead bones. Habakkuk found himself looking over a nation that had been war-torn by a Babylonian invasion, and he began to prophesy. He says, though there be no figs on the tree, no olive, though the olive should fail and there be no cattle in the stall, I'm going to learn how to give God praise in the midst of the devastation because I believe what's coming is greater than what we've lost. Hallelujah. Because faith is never threatened by its environment. The three Hebrew boys found themselves in the midst of a blazing, fiery furnace. 
but they were not threatened by the king's edict. They were not threatened by the king's command. They just said, listen, I don't care if everybody's going to bow, we're not going to bow. And the God that we serve is able to deliver us, but even if he chooses not to, we're still not going to bow, and chances are we're not going to burn. Come on, talk to me up in here. There's got to be a generation that begins to put the the fight back into the enemy's camp. So God is raising up faith people, people that can believe what God has said about them. Faith, this will be on the screen. I'm just working some things out. I'll get to where I'm going in a minute. Faith is ultimately God asking us to trust what he tells us about things, even though we are not yet in a position to verify them. Hmm. So in order for the church to regain its influence that it needs, it will have to change its posture from a stationary position to one of marching, one of moving, from sitting to moving. (laughs) Let me throw this one on you since y'all looking at me. From silence to being loud. (laughs) I'm telling you, I don't know. We we, we got this summer thing going on. I'm fighting this really hard because there used to be a day when this church would just pull something out of you. Now y'all waiting on me to say something. I don't know where y'all at today, but God's going to raise up a dead church. God's going to raise up a live church. And it's not, and it's not, it's not a performance mentality. It's a, it's, 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 it's a vision that says we can invade enemy-held territory and break the powers of hell and see the power of God released. So there's got to be a church that's moving from just spectating to participating. Amen. Amen. Just, just, just from watching somebody else do it, and then we start doing it. Amen. From... From, from observing to possessing. And I say this to you this morning because the intensity of the spirits that we're up against, they are becoming more and more aggressive. And if we're not careful while the spirits against our lives are becoming more and more aggressive, if we're not careful, the church becomes more and more passive. And we have to be careful that, that, that the working of the enemy does not excel the passion of God in us. Because there has to be this fight, this pushback that says to the enemy, you have trespassed your last time against my family. There has to be this pushback that says, I'm not giving up my sons. I'm not giving up my daughters. I'm not giving up my children. I'm not giving up my marriage. But I'm going to begin to push back against the powers of hell. So there has to be this faith. I just kind of work. Faith is the ability to believe. It's that invisible confidence within you that something exists other than what you presently see. Faith begins to make a demand on what God has already made available. Faith is not to make something happen. Faith is to work into a realm where God has already released it to happen. So we begin to have faith to pull things out of the spiritual realm and put it into the natural realm. So God releases faith. When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith in the earth? That means that whatever God has called us to do, there's a measure of faith to do that. You can't even get saved without faith. It takes faith to get saved. And you can't say, I don't have faith, because the Bible says that God has dealt unto every man a measure of faith. So you have enough faith to do whatever God's calling you to do. 
Now, your faith may have to be built. It may have to be sustained. It may have to, it may have to grow. Because how many know that when you were born, you had the same amount of muscles as Arnold Schwarzenegger? You had the same amount of muscles. Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't have bigger muscles back in his day than you do. The difference between his muscles and your muscles is that his muscles have been developed. His muscles went through a training process so that they could be developed. Mine are still in training. <laughs> it's, it's a training process. So your faith has to be developed. So God provides a context. He provides a scenario for you to believe him beyond the realm that you currently see. He puts you in places. If you can do it without God, don't call it God. If you can make a living without God because you got a good job, don't call it God. Because God will always stretch the dimensions of your faith and he will always call you further than where you are right now. Faith is the ability to believe him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So God provides a context. So in order for the church to regain its influence, we got to move from observing to possessing because the spirits of our day have intensified. And do, and do you realize today, and I know most of you do because it's, it's, it's old teaching for us, but the church is the only legal possessors of the earth, meaning that whatever we don't possess, we surrender to. If we don't possess the gates of our city, then we surrender them to the enemy. Now, I, I want to help qualify because we got some young people in here. You know, we got this thing going on in our culture where, you know, you know everybody's got to be liked and loved, right? Jesus was not crucified because he was friendly. Jesus was crucified because he was a threat. <laughs> he was a threat to a religious system, and he was a threat to a, to a current governmental system. He was a threat to them. So they said, the best thing we can do is get him off the planet. Jesus was crucified because he was coming into cities to take them over. Jesus was crucified because he believed there's a new sheriff in town. There's a new kingdom that's come into the town. Amen. And so whatever we don't possess, we surrender to the enemy. And the reason why cities are being uh, ran over by the powers of darkness it's not because God don't want to help those cities. It's because our churches will not rise up to the level of their anointing and release their faith against the powers of hell and say, we can do something about it. I am under the conviction that we can do something about poverty in the Glaze region. We can do something about homosexuality in the Glaze region. We can do something about drugs in the Glaze region. We can do something about broken marriages in the Glaze region. I'm under that impression, and we're working on ministries to do that. Pastor Carlos, and we're working on a curriculum right now on how to help parents raise godly children. Because we don't just need children just to grow up. We need godly, ordained. <laughs> we need children to understand that there's a power that lives on the inside of me, and it's greater than the one that's in the world. Amen. So, so, so there's ministry that can take place, but it's got to be released through faith. That means the church has to be active. See, I believe there's a generation at hand right now who is willing to march beyond everything that we have known. 
The reason why we need churches to march off the map is because we have to see a greater impact in the world. And we have to learn how to rely on the word of God. Lily B. Yeoman, who was a medical doctor, she said this years ago, she said, God delights in his children stepping out over the aching void with nothing under their feet but the word of God. God delights in his children stepping out over the aching void with nothing under their feet but the word of God. Romans 3.3 says, so what if some don't believe? Does their unbelief nullify the effectiveness of God's word? Yea, may it never be, but let every man be a liar, but let the word be found true. Amen. Who agreed with Abraham? Who agreed with Noah? Who agreed with Moses? You don't need a whole, a whole bunch of people to agree with you. You just got to agree with God. And when you can agree with God on the purposes and the plan that God's called you to do, and when a church can agree with God collectively, we can shake the city gates for the glory of God. Come on, I'm going to wait on you right there. That's good stuff. We got a generation, if we're not careful, they're more attached to their feelings. <laughs> Come on now, help me, help me with this young crowd now. We get more attached to our feelings. I heard a guy repenting on the radio today because he hit a raccoon. I mean, I'm sure you, I guess you feel bad, but my Lord, man, you ain't got to, like, go into repentance. He shouldn't have ran out in front of me is the way I look at it. <laughs> Can't get no help in this Presbyterian church today. I mean, he's just, like, making a big deal out of, like, Lord, have mercy, man. Come on. I know you're all caught up in your feelings, but move on. There'll be another one right there eating on his body for long. We got more people that are in tune with their intellect than they are the word of God. Well, if I could just get more education. <laughs> well, if I can just get another degree. Well, thank God for the degrees. They help. They train you to be something in this world, but it has nothing to do with your supernatural ability. We got more people that are in tune with their horoscopes uh, than they are with the word. I know Christians who wake up every morning to read their horoscope, what the word is for the day. Are you kidding me? Let me give you a word for the day in case you're lacking. <laughs> Go read your Bible. <laughs> Amen. We got more people that are hooked on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Y'all ain't got to say nothing. I'm just going to keep on preaching here. TikTok, Snapchat, more y'all got more moves on TikTok than you do in praise. <laughs> Testing on the mic, check, one, two, mic, check it on the mic. I mean, y'all stand in front of the mirror working out your little TikTok moves. And y'all do, do all that, and you get in praise, and you're just sitting there like you. We can't even get you to move. We can't even lift you. We can't even get you to raise your hand. Are you kidding me? What you are doing is you are supplying the devil with a heyday over your life. When you ought to know, I didn't come in here looking for nothing. I came in here to give something. I came in here to release my praise to a God who's able to sustain the universe. He upholds the universe by the breath of his nostrils. If one word from God can forever change my life life amen i'm looking i'm, I'm watching i'm watching all this stuff. some of y'all going to unfriend me that's all right i wasn't your friend anyway 
It's all right. Listen, I am not hung up on social media. We use it, thank God for it, but at the end of the day, that is not my life source. I don't care if you like it or not. Truth is truth at the end of the day, and sooner or later, you've got to deal with the truth of God's Word. <laughs> There's a generation that I believe that's being raised that's willing to pay the price for the risk at hand. Because nothing happens until you move. Nothing breaks until you move. And the confirmation of what God is calling you to do doesn't come in your settledness. It comes in your movement. And I feel this over this house because you know we're launching this advance the cause. We can't just say, back, well, let's see what God does. No, God's going to bless our movement. God's going to bless the work of our hands. God's going to bless what we do. Listen, I'm just trying to say to us today, if God has put it in our heart to build something for his glory, I don't care what devils don't like it. I don't care what city folk don't like it. I don't care what, 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 what culture likes and doesn't like. What matters to me, if God said we can do it, then by faith we're going to put our hands to the plow and we're not going to look back and we're going to see the power of God move in the midst of our movement. Moses, when he came to the Red Sea, didn't know how he was going to cross it until he got there. Amen. Abraham left not knowing where he was going, but the fact that he left on a 1,600-mile journey, not knowing where he was going, but he left because God told him to. Woo. Nehemiah didn't know how he was going to build the walls until he started building God moves in your movement. If we're not careful, this will be on the screen for you. If we're not careful, the church at large will not be prepared for something to outlast our own experiences. We've got to make sure that the next generation has a connection. No generation escapes the challenges of their day. What one generation overcomes, it hands down the lessons that are learned and it empowers the next generation how to handle the problems in their day. If you never hear about what others went through and how God was able to carry them through it, then you don't know if God's able to get you through something. So we have to make sure that the generations coming up under us understand that God's been faithful to us. God has always made a way where there seemed to be no way. God has always provided when it didn't look like we could ever be provided for. So we have to hand down the lessons that how God enabled us to overcome so that the next generation has something to stand on. And you'll find out all throughout Scripture when God was speaking to generations, he would tell them, in fact, he said it in Joshua chapter 4, he says, when you cross this river, I want you to grab some stones out of the river and I want you to build a memorial on the other side of the, build, uh, of the river. I want you to go back and get 12 stones out of the river and build 
a memorial. That word memorial literally means to put a memory there, bring them back to remembrance because the day will come when the generations will ask, what do these stones mean? And you have to tell them we went into slavery as a family of about 70 people and we stayed in slavery for about 400 years, but God made a miraculous move and when God began to move, we broke out of slavery and now we're living in the promised land. You got to be able to tell the next generation we started out on 10 acres of property but God began to expand it and now we got 12 and a half acres we started out with a little building now we got a big building we started out with classrooms in here now we got a full-fledged school now that we have a full-fledged school we're about to be a, a three-story school because when we started it didn't look like much but we're telling the generation God was faithful to us then he'll be faithful to you you got to let the next generation know we didn't get here because we were cute. We didn't get here because we had it all together. We got here because we had a faith in a God who would supply everything that we have need of. Come on, tell somebody you got to march on now. You got you to gotta march on. You got to march. You got to march. You got to march out of complacency. You got to march out of familiarity. You got to march out of your trouble. You got to march out of your sin. You got to march out of the places of your own default. You got to keep moving forward. And God works in your working. Glory to God. Glory to God. We're going to build. He said, we're going to build a memory. That's what Joshua said. We're going to build a memory. Because there's, a coming, there's coming a generation after us. They're not going to understand how we got to where we are, but we got to tell them. When they ask about these stones, can you imagine? Can you imagine one day when that new building is being built? And these little kids that are in the nursery right now, when they get about five or six years old, and they start asking, how did that thing get built? Well, you got to know, it didn't come here because we had it all together. But we believed the word of the Lord. We begin to sacrifice with the word of the Lord, and all of a sudden, God begin to bless. Overflow begin to happen. Hmm. We just believe what God said we could do, and we acted upon it. If someone doesn't tell them, then they lose their continuity. They lose their connections. This is where we were at last week, and they lose their history. And once they lose their history, they begin to sacrifice their destiny because they have nothing to look back to. When David went against Goliath, remember I told you the story, he went and got his staff first, which represented his history. And then he went down to the brook and grabbed some rocks, which re represented his inheritance. He reached back for his history, but then he reached forward for his inheritance. Because you got to bring your history into your present. Amen. If you don't do that, then we start taking things for granted. It's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church. I'm going to keep working just for a few more minutes. Because when they start taking things for granted, it's because they don't understand the struggle, how we got to where we are. There's some people under the sound of my voice right now. It's no fault of yours. Maybe you just showed up. Maybe you just started coming in the last year or two. You had no investment in the property here. You had no investment in the buildings here. And that's all right. We thank God. We built it for you. We knew you were coming. We knew you were coming. That's why we did it. We didn't wait till you were here to do it. The reason why we're going to build more buildings is because we know there's more coming. 
Some of them are going to be your kin folks. Some of them might be your children. Understand, it costs somebody to get here. There was a cost involved. If the next generation doesn't have a memory, watch this now, they grow up with a spirit of entitlement, thinking that somebody owes them something. See, when you don't work to earn something, but you think you should have it, that's the spirit of entitlement. Huh? We got a whole nation that don't want to work, but they want that check. Huh? I've had people around me. They want what I got, but they don't want to put in the work to do what I do. My day starts at 4.30 every day. Get out of bed. Getting quiet up in here. I'm just trying to, trying to help us. See, the problem is in our generation, especially over the last 25 or 30 years, we've lost a work ethic. Amen. There was a day in our nation that even if you didn't have a job, you'd still work. You'd work until you got paid. People had a work ethic. And people didn't have to stand over you to make sure you got your job done. Didn't need three supervisors to tell you how to do your job. Check on you and follow up on you. See, when you're not the one sacrificing to get something, then you have the tendency not to value it. When you don't have no investment, what, 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 what uh, business people used to call, when you don't have no skin in the game, then you don't have no value to it. When you ain't got no value to it, then you don't commit to nothing. See, there's still people, Pastor Mark talked about, there's still people, Maybe you're not a regular tither. Well, you don't, you don't have no skin in the game. You're living on somebody else's overflow. You're living on, somebody's paying for that air conditioning that you're breathing. <laughs> somebody's paying for that seat that you're sitting in. I'm losing all my amens. The spirit of entitlement wants something that somebody else had to work for. And they want to enjoy the fruit of your labor. See, we got to be careful in this house that we don't have a spirit of entitlement. We got everybody. Everybody got to get on board. Everybody. Everybody got to get on board. Everybody. Everybody got to get on board. I'm going to say that until everybody says amen. Everybody. <laughs> See, the path of materialism, that's what it promotes. You deserve whatever you want, even though you didn't do anything to get it. That's the path of materialism. You see, and part of the problem, I'm about done, I'm about done. Part of the problem is we have a generation that's being raised now with no chores. Y'all didn't know y'all was coming to a parent class today, did y'all? Huh? Can't mow the yard without a vacation. Got to mow the yard. Now you, now you got to have like three days vacation because you mowed the yard once. Can't clean your room without a salary. <laughs> huh? My mom and dad never paid my brothers and I to work in the house. I'm not saying if you do that, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying you got to be careful that you don't make it easy. Because you breed a spirit of entitlement. You breed it. You breed it. You breed it. 
I'll take that back. You know what, Chad said? Chad might have got paid because he was the baby of the family. I don't know. He might have got paid. <laughs> he might have got paid. I just thought about that. He may have gotten paid. Look, Rosa's moved. There you go. He probably got paid. Sucker. <laughs> Mom and dad got old and they felt sorry for him. That's the baby. Yeah, got to take care of the baby. Are you kidding me? <laughs> See, now you got a generation when you tell them to do their chores, they roll their eyes, suck their teeth. You rolled your eyes in my day, your eyes will be stuck that way. Because you come out of the coma about three days later, and that's where your eyes will be looking. Back there. That's where they got stuck when he hits you. <laughs> I know we don't, we don't spank kids no more. We put them in timeout, and you sit there and watch them. I'm just saying, we breed a spirit of entitlement because what we have, we have parents trying to be their buddies. And when you have a church that's trying to advance the kingdom, Jesus is not trying to be your buddy. He's trying to be your Lord, your shepherd, your chief shepherd that says we got, a, uh, we got a mission to do, we got a plan to do, we got a purpose to do, and we can't just sit back and think that it's just going to get done because we love God. Somebody has got to put their hands to the plow. Somebody's got to drive the anointing into the atmosphere of darkness and say to the enemy, your day is over and the church is becoming stronger and stronger. Push on somebody and tell them, march on now, march on. You have to tell them because they have to contextualize the moment that they're in so they understand that everything wasn't free. So the warfare that we're engaged in is a warfare that is going to test all of us because most churches don't have a problem with people being healed, set free, and delivered. But when you start using money, now all of a sudden the church is evil. No, money, money is the least in the kingdom of God. Money is the least in the kingdom of God. Money is not even the greatest. But it takes money to move things. So let me just, let me finish with this because it's 12 o'clock. Let me finish with this right here. In our text, we read, I got three powerful points, by the way, so you might have to come back next week. I really do. Ask Ariana, they're in the back. In our text, the Bible says that the city was tightly shut up because of the sons of Israel. Watch this. The city was tightly shut up because of the sons of Israel. They had heard about Israel. And they were intimidated of Israel. So they shut the city down because they were in fearful of the army that was coming through the land. So they shut the city down. I'm just trying to tell you, we're not, the, we're not being intimidated. We're coming to let the devil know we're going to intimidate you. The reason why the city is being locked down under your control is because you're afraid when we release the anointing over the city at a greater level, everything that you've held back is about to be released. So the city was shut down. And the word to the children of Israel was go forward and march. God was telling the people, you have to advance. And you have to advance against every shut door. The city was tightly shut up. Every door was shut. God was telling the children of Israel, you have to march against what's been shut. <laughs> because there's an anointing on your life to liberate the city. And here's something, I, this is where I want to finish, but here's something I thought was interesting. In verse number 7, God said, go forward and go ahead of the ark. The ark of the covenant was the presence of the Lord. It was that two and a half by three 
four and a half, five foot box where it literally housed the presence of God. And they said, I want you to go in front of the presence. I want you to get ahead of the ark. Why would God want them to go before his presence? Why would God want them to get ahead of his glory? Here's my reasoning. Most people are content to stay where the glory has been. But very few people are willing to exercise their faith to move them to where the glory's coming. Well, you should have been throwing babies right there. God is looking for a generation that will begin to exercise their faith because they know the glory is coming. They know the glory is going to get there. Don't stay satisfied with where the glory was. Let's get hungry for where the glory's going. It's easy to get people to show up after the glory gets here. It's easy to have revival when the glory gets here. It's easy to have the healing and deliverance when the glory gets here. But God needs a people who understand, I'm not waiting on the glory. I'm exercising my faith to usher in the glory. And when I get there, what's behind me is about to be among us. And what's been shut up is about to be released because the glory of God is coming in a greater dimension. Come on, if you believe that, give God a praise right there. He said, you got to march. Come on, Pastor Porter, you guys can come on. It's easy. Nothing happens until somebody moves. Somebody has to release their faith into the direction of their promise. You ever heard this? Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. I tell you what, your bones will bleach out. I'm just waiting on God to do something. No, God's waiting on you because he moves in your movement. I've heard this a lot, lot. I'm just waiting on the Lord to save me. Really? You have to ask the Lord to save you. Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord to bless me. No, he said, whatever you put your hands to, that's what I'll bless. Yeah? Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord to find me so he can bless me. No, no, it ain't going to happen that way. Because God brings his people because faith is being developed. Now, I know when you're a young Christian, God will spot you one or two. He'll spot you one or two just to kind of get you hooked in there. Like, wow, this is easy. <laughs> then they say, you know, it's a process. Everybody wants what the process brings, but nobody wants the process. But it's the process that gets you to the place of maturity to handle what's coming. Amen. So they got ahead of the ark. And notice he said march. March is a military term. It's a warfare term. It literally means to cross over to abar. And that's, that's the Hebrew word, abar, which means to cross through, to pass through, to get beyond. It literally means to advance. God never told them to march to determine their victory because the outcome had already been determined. He told Joshua in Joshua 1.3, he says, Every place that the sole of your foot treads, I have given to you. In other words, before you get there, I've already given it to you. The problem is, is that you can't have it. The problem is you've got to get there. Because if you can get there, what I've already provided is yours. I have already provided for it. But you've got to get there. See, there's an army. I just believe this. In here, right here in, in the hills or the, or the beginning stages of summertime. There's an army that's being raised in the Glades region. 
that says we're going to get there. We're going to get there and we're going to see the hand of God move. And what's been behind us is about to be among us. Glory to God. He said in Joshua 6.2, I read it. He said, I've handed Jericho, its king and its best soldiers, over to you. I have, past tense. I've already given it to you. The kings, the city, I've already given it to you. But you got to get there. you got to get there. And if you can get there, you'll find out that you can have what's been prophesied to you before you were ever born. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. If you follow the narratives and you go back and you study it out, you find out in Hebrews 11 that by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. See, I thought about this a little bit, you know, because we got people at different stages, naturally and spiritually, in their growth with God. But you know what? When Joshua was given these commands, he was in his 80s. And they had to march around the city for six days one time, and on the seventh day, they had to march around it seven times and then lift up a great shout. That means Joshua had to lead the pack. At 80 years old, Joshua walked around that city 13 times. Most historians believe it was at least five miles in circumference. So five miles a day probably wasn't that big of a deal. But on that seventh day, that's 35 miles for an 80-something-year-old. I'm just trying to say that when you got it in your bones so bad that there's a promise that's resonated in you so much, I don't care what age or stage you're at, there's going to be something that's reaching for something greater, and you're going to keep marching until you get everything that God has commanded for you to have. See, I say this all the time because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like 29 now. I'm getting, on, on, I'm getting a little older. <laughs> and, I, and I think about, you know, like, do I have the energy? Do I have the strength? Do I have the stamina? But, you know, it's, it's like, like even when Jeremiah, when he, when he wanted to quit the ministry, he tried to quit, but he said, man, it's like fire. Shut up in my bones. I can't quit. There's something that's driving me. Well, what would it be said of your life? What would it be said of this ministry? When you had a church that was pulling together collectively that says, you know what, we had, we had a time where we felt like quitting. We had a time when we felt like backing off. But no, there's something in us that says, I'm building something for the generations to come. And yeah. it's like a fire shut up in my bones. Hallelujah. See, prophecy, this will be on the screen. Prophecy is not God telling you what's about to happen. It's God telling you what's already happened. It's just waiting on your arrival. It's just I'm waiting on you to get there. Come on, how many's got a word over your life that you're believing God for yes. some big things in your family? Come on, just begin to lift your hands and lift your voice and begin to stake claim to those promises. Come on, we're going to declare today in the name of Jesus. Come on, we believe God. We believe God. Come on, lift up your voice and say, God, I'm making a demand on those promises. I'm making a demand on every promise that you've, that you've spoken over my life. Come on, let strength rise. Let a word rise. Let a promise rise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we're reaching for the promise. We're reaching for those things. Yes, we are. Lord, we're calling those things 
is going to another level. We're reaching to a different dimension. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, I believe faith is rising in hearts. Don't be comfortable. Don't settle. There's a transference. There's a divine release. today that no weapon formed against us shall be able to prosper. Lord, we thank you today that you're empowering us to do the will of God. Lord, I pray over families today. I pray over individuals today. God, I pray for the courage to walk off their map. Walk off that which is known. Come out of the ranks of security and familiarity move into a brand new dimension of faith. Walk past the things that are trying to hold you and limit you. Father, I just speak that over these people today. I speak that over this house today. Lord, let us advance the cause for your glory in this region. That every family, that every family understands the necessity of why we were put into this city and into this region. Father, we just thank you and we just declare that. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, if you believe that, just give God a praise. Come on, let's just give him a praise. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just praise him like we know it. Let's just praise him like we know it. Oh, yeah. Amen. 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 So the challenge, we're in, we're in this challenge. That's what I feel like God has given us because it's not easy. And it's not comfortable. But it's possible. It's possible. And here's the thing. At the end of the day, when all is said and done and we go and we exit this planet when we die, everything we spent our life building, none of it goes with us. Your degrees, your money, your cars, houses none of that goes with us nothing naturally that we work for on this planet goes with us nothing naked you came in naked you gonna leave nothing nothing goes with you the only thing that we get to take to heaven with us is souls The only thing that we get to do for the glory of God is to, is to create an environment or a place to bring souls into heaven. I was talking to a good friend of mine last night. We got a mutual friend, 
who's literally, his body's ate up with cancer. They give him no time to live. He called me Friday night. He said, yeah, I went, I went to his house on my lunch break because I felt this urgency to pray for him. The guy was lost, hadn't been in church ever, just lost. He said, I got into his room. He's laying there on his bed, just literally dying. He said, I talked to him about the things of God, and I led him to the Lord. I told my friend, I said, you know what? That's the only thing that matters at the end of the day. Because all those things that this guy had, none of that is going to be put into that coffin. It's all just going to be fleeting. It's going to go. But what we do for God's glory will remain throughout eternity. That's why God puts a mandate and in our case, more buildings. Not so that we can say we got more buildings, but it's to release more ministry. Because the only thing that matters to God is people. Not programs, not gimmicks, people's lives. Amen. Amen. So that's what we're going to do. What we're going to do. And we're going to march on. Come on, push on somebody and say, will you march with me? Just will you march with me? Will you march with me? Got to have some people that are ready to march. Got to have some people that are ready to march. Next Sunday, you better come in here. I'm going to throw down next Sunday. I got something burning. I'm going to throw this thing out like nobody's business next Sunday. I'm going to release a Holy Ghost fire in this place next Sunday. But we're moving. Amen. I'm going to pray for you when I get through praying. Pastor Corey's going to come up and give us some instructions. But if you need prayer... Our, our, our altar team will be here. Our ministry teams will be here. If you need prayer, I don't want you to walk out of this building without somebody agreeing with you. doesn't matter what level of prayer you need. We're here. We want to make sure we provide that for you. I know they got the cake auction fixing to kick off, but we're going to pray. We're going to believe God for a great day. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning for the power and the presence of your spirit. And Lord, I thank you that there are people under the sound of my voice that are taking on new levels of responsibility. And they're ready to do something significant for the glory of God. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do. Lord, even over the next few months as testimonies begin to come in of what you're doing in people's lives and how things are being met and supplied. Father, we just give you all the praise and all the glory. Lord, we thank you that we are advancing the cause and we're marching. We're literally marching off known territory. We're marching off our map. We thank you for what you're doing in every person. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody together said amen.